Welcome to Living Water Radio. Cancel culture is a product of identity politics that ostracizes those whose beliefs or behaviors are not necessarily criminal, but earn my outrage based on their belief or behavior now or in the past, found offensive by those in my identity group. Those who are their friends, their employers, and anyone who does business with them are likewise ostracized to apply social pressure to also cancel them. Some people need to be punished, but is that God's go-to response? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ United Church of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. This past Monday was All Saints Day, and next Sunday is All Saints Sunday. This reminds me of the story of two brothers who ran a small town. They cheated, stole, and bullied their way into control, and everybody hated them. One day, one of the brothers died. The surviving brother, though nobody in town could remember him ever being at all religious, went to the pastor of a church in this town and made a proposition. My brother and I own this town and everyone in it, and now I own it by myself, he said. I want my brother's funeral to be in this church, and I want you to lead it, and I'll give a big donation to your church, but in exchange, I want you to say at the funeral, he was a saint. What do you say? To everyone's surprise, the pastor said, okay. On the day of the funeral, the brother directed everyone in town to attend. When it came time for the pastor to speak, the pastor went to the casket and said, everyone knew this man. He and his brother ran this town. He was a bully, a thief, a coward, and a cheat. He thought that he could buy anyone and anything, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, described the Christian life as that of being both a saint and a sinner at the same time. We continue in sin in a fallen world, so we are sinners. But Jesus died on the cross to make us righteous before God, so we are saints. I think that that concept can help our culture through this time, in which we are more divided than at any period in our history since the Civil War. In fact, Divided may not be enough to describe our current state. Splintered may be a better word. Social media has made it easier than it's ever been to find your tribe, your outrage cell, no matter what you believe to be true. Whatever your beliefs are just flat-out prejudices, they will be confirmed and supported by others. Your tribe will give you an identity. It will direct you to books and magazines, TV and radio shows, websites and other media that will tell you what you should know and believe. It will tell you that everyone who is not of your tribe is your enemy, that there is no spectrum of acceptable beliefs, and that your enemies are out to get you. Your only hope is to stay with your tribe. 
If you do not, if your behavior does not conform to the worldview of the tribe, or if some unacceptable information about you comes to light, you will become the enemy. You will become canceled. You could also be canceled because your past views were not those of your tribe in the present. It could be a picture of you, or a recording of your voice, or something you put on Facebook long ago. But you're out. Cancelled. Cancel culture is a term that has been used to describe how cancellation works in today's culture. It's usually connected with a public figure or celebrity or corporation or a team, but it can refer to anyone of any party or ideology. It's especially true of those in the public eye or connected to a public organization or profession because they are most vulnerable to the kind of pressure and coercion that can be brought to them or to the organizations of which they are a part. It can also happen in families, teams, friendship circles, and even churches. I went by the statue of Jedediah Strong Smith at the Sandima City Hall the other day. Jedediah Smith was an early explorer of this area, though his only connection to San Dimas is that he camped here one night on his way to the San Gabriel Mission. He is described on the Jedediah Smith Society's website as a trapper, trader, explorer, and leader from 1822 to 1831. With the help of the area Absaroka tribe Native Americans, he identified the South Pass, enabling over 400,000 pioneers to travel overland to California and the Oregon Territory. He was the first American to enter California from the east. He was the first known person to travel the west coast by land from San Diego to the Columbia River. He was the first non-Native American to cross the Sierra Nevada mountains near Ebbets Pass, what is today Highway 4. An article on the city of San Dimas's website about the history of San Dimas says that one night in 1826, he and a band of explorers, who were the first Americans in the nearby area, came to a cienega, or marshy area, later called Mud Springs and now called San Dimas, and camped near what is today Arrow Highway. The article about this statue on the San Dimas Festival of Arts website says that when Jedediah Strong Smith viewed the valley from the top of the San Gabriel Mountains on November 26, 1826, he wrote in his journal, A Welcome Sight, which is the name given to the sculpture at City Hall. The RoadsideAmerica.com website says that he was the inspiration for the bear-fighting mountain man Jebediah Springfield of The Simpsons. His appearance in the statue is a bit misleading, the article says, because a bear had torn a chunk of his face off by the time he arrived here, and he had had to let his hair grow long to cover the scars on that side. An article on the Pasadena Star News website includes this quote, attributed to Occidental College professor Robert Glass Cleland about Jedediah Smith. He was a brave leader, a Christian gentleman, an explorer as well as a fur trader, the true pathfinder of California history. The annals of the West bear record of many heroic men, but no pioneer ever set foot on Western soil of greater heroism and nobler life than Jedediah Strong Smith. The Wikipedia article on him is extensive, documented, and more nuanced. It describes him as having a dry sense of humor, as coming from a family who are practicing Christians and that his letters indicate his own Christian beliefs, though accounts of his being a Bible-toter 
and a missionary have no basis either from him or from his companions. The book in his hand in the statue is his journal, not a Bible. But it's noted that those accounts also have no stories about him drinking to excess or sleeping with Native American women along the way. The article also includes the mention that he owned at least two slaves, which conflicted with his Northern Methodist upbringing, and his behavior was not always honorable when dealing with those he considered his antagonists. He owned slaves? Elsewhere in the article, it specifies that in 1830-31, several years after his overnight in what is now San Dimas, Smith also bought a house on First Avenue in St. Louis to be shared with his brothers. Smith bought two African slaves to take care of the property in St. Louis. Both references are documented in the article, and I'm including them in my blog. So, what are we to make of that? Should a person be judged by the worst thing he or she ever did, and the rest of their lives be canceled? Can we ignore the heinous behavior of persons who have also done heroic things? Should Jedediah Smith be canceled? Can we learn from the past if we don't know it? Can we succeed if we are guided by fear of what people will think? There is certainly some behavior that separates a person from civil societies. Systems are in place to determine responsible parties and in some cases decide punishment. Ultimately, God will judge all things. But in between, there are our daily interactions with one another and those in our culture. Should we forgive? Does that release a person from responsibility? When should we forget? We might be acting hypocritically, pointing to others' flaws before our own, like people to whom Jesus said in Matthew 7, 5, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Or like the men about to execute a woman found in adultery, to whom Jesus said in John 8, 7, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. I used to think that being on the extremes of the political and social spectrum is like what was said about being a fundamentalist. You can only live in one of two ways, either living a lie in which you know you aren't the person your friends and colleagues think you are and dying a little inside or living one life with your church friends and another life with those who hold views that are more like your own and desperately hoping that the two groups never meet. Now I think that many people live in many more than just two identity groups. It's exhausting. People should not have to live like that. How do we deal with sinners or criminals? There was a time in the United States when we sent people to a penitentiary that is, a place to become a penitent, or to repent. Jesus began his public ministry with these words in Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Peter declared in Jerusalem, after Jesus' death and resurrection in Acts 3.19, Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. But today the answer is rehab. People go there to be rehabilitated. They are cleansed. But is it enough? Ironically, today's rehab has a lot to do with the church that 16th century reformer Martin Luther sought to change. 
Doing good things can't make up for the bad things we have done. We need to repent. It is a turning around toward God, a complete inner transformation of the whole person, not an outer act. It is being born again. It makes of us a new creation, God's creation, as we were intended to be. That is God's answer. Rehab may make us feel better about ourselves, but it cannot save us. Jesus saves. As John writes in 1 John, the first chapter, verses 8 and 9, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or, as Paul writes to the Romans, chapter 3, verses 22b through 25a, For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. Or, as he writes in Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. God has not canceled us. God has redeemed us by the blood of Jesus on the cross. God's cancel culture is to cancel our sin the thing that separates us from a living relationship through the one true living God. We, as God's people, have been set free to love and serve God and, in response, one another. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccine, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkettall and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders, pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local or national hotline, reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, get your vaccine. It is the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Avoid crowds if you can and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. 
Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.